this is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. My guest this week is Raya Peck. Raya grew up in Duluth and moved to Nashville at 18, and after college, joined the music business down there as a publisher and then songwriter. While there, she sold some of her original tunes and recorded some herself and compiled those in an album called Table Number 9. She took a step away from music when she moved back to Minnesota to raise her son. And now, happily for us, she's back writing and playing and recently completed an album called Dragonfly. Not only that, you can hear Raya live at a show right here in Northfield called Songwriters in the Round on June 2nd at the Grand Event Center. Well, it's time to fill in the details of her musical life. Let's talk with Raya Peck. Welcome, Raya, to Musician Talk. So happy to have you on. Hi, thank you for having me here. I'm excited. Absolutely. And I'm really excited about the show that you're doing coming up on June 2nd at the Grand Event Center that uh, is filled with a bunch of songwriters, singer-songwriters, and you're, yep. you're one of them performing there. So that's very yep. exciting. And I want everybody out there to, to go to that show uh, if they can. Uh, and it's just so exciting to have that kind of thing going on at Northfield, you know, and bringing in these, these musicians to play their original stuff. It's really cool. So yeah, I think it's great. Right. Where do you, where do you live right now? I'm in Woodbury, Minnesota. Okay. So So I've not been to Northfield yet. It's a beautiful town. It's picturesque, as you'd say, even though we lost our beautiful old hotel, it it still has a ton of charm. Yeah. It's a bummer. It was a landmark. Anyway, let's get started um, on your right. journey. Uh, we'll just dig right in as we usually do. Okay. And uh, what did you start? When did you start playing? When did you start singing? I actually started. Um, I started playing piano when I was four. Wow. Um, and writing when I was six. So oh. I've been doing music my whole life. Um, I was an early reader and writer. So the teacher suggested to my parents to get me involved in something else to keep my brain stimulated. And it was piano and just fell in love with it. That's incredible. That's an early age to start at four uh, and, and to be able to, to be able to be taught at that age. That's why they start uh, uh, music in schools at fifth grade. Cause that's kind of when most brains, you know, can, can re- start to read music and all that. And so that's pretty impressive that you're able to do that at four. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that's what the teacher said. Usually you have to be able to, to read and, and write and recognize letters and, and right. understand it. So yeah, it was a great, I, I loved it and I've just stuck with it and ended up going to college for that. And, you know, it's kind of been part of my whole life. So between four, being four or being six, when you started writing songs and yeah. college, what, what did you do? Were you, did you, were you in any bands? Did you take lessons yep. through that whole time? Just kind of take me through some of the, some of the things that you I did. did. Yeah. I took lessons um, until I was in my second year of college. Wow. So classically trained for years. Um, I used to write songs for like my elementary school choir. And I remember they, them singing one of them and she would help me write out cause I didn't know how to write out music. So she'd help me write out the, the music and words and yeah. Oh, that is really, really sweet. Yes, yeah, it was. I still have some of my old pieces that I found in notebooks kind of scribbled and written and just makes you laugh. Warms your heart too. That's wonderful. And so uh, were you, did you play out before you went to college or even in college? Um, did you have, were you in a band that played uh, gigs? 
No? No, I'd started with the band and we never really ended up playing any gigs anywhere when I was a teenager. And most of my um, music has just been uh, writing, playing writer's rounds or writing events. And I've never really considered myself an artist. Um, it's more of a songwriter and it's kind of the path I took. And you went to college at Belmont? Yep, Belmont University. It's in Nashville, Tennessee. So when I turned 18, I left. I grew up in Duluth, Minnesota. I left there and headed south because I wanted warmer weather. And I ended up staying there for the next almost 17 years. And wow. Where I, I grew up, I say, or the town that raised me is more Nashville. And I guess I grew up in Duluth, but it was great. Um, I studied music business. I studied piano ended up with a degree basically in nothing. I just went with liberal studies by the end of it to get out because it was getting expensive. Right. And I was interning for a publishing company at the time and they were saying they were going to give me a job anyway. So just get out and graduate. And that's kind of what I did. So when you say you worked at a publishing company, what did you do there? Um, a little bit of everything. It was an independent company and um, I was really lucky to have found these guys three weeks, I think, after I'd moved to town there. Mm. And I worked with them for several years. So I did a lot of admin work and learned that side. I worked with their lawyers helping to put together one of their deals. So I learned a lot from the legal side of it. I did a lot of song plugging, which was great. Ran their tape room for a long time and got to be part of pitching and, you know, pitching songs to artists and labels and A&R and that kind of thing. And, and then I wrote from for a couple of years. So it was a really good experience. That is that's success. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a lot of people coming out of college for music business gets that opportunity. That's yeah. yeah. It, it was, it was a really great, great experience. So no I kidding. Love- it mm-hmm. must've been so much fun. Yeah. Be it, kind of in the thick of it. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Meeting people you never thought you would and, getting to travel some. We went to New York and that was a lot of fun pitching an act up there. I'd never done anything like that before. And yeah, so just some, some cool events and really, really neat people, creative people. Oh, what fun. Yeah. So what was the impetus to moving back to Minnesota? So I left Nashville. I got married and my husband was stationed in Tampa. I was in the air force And we, once he was retired, we did go back to Nashville for a very short time, about a year and a half, and then moved up here about three years ago, almost three years ago it's been now. So he's a pilot. He was based out of here. So it kind of made sense. I have family here and I have a little boy. So I wanted to raise him by my parents. Nice. That's not that long ago that you moved here. Um, And you said that you took a break from music, but after you moved back here after a couple of years, you started to feel like you needed to get back to the music. Yeah, I think um, just my journey in Nashville, I had gotten really burnt out with, yeah. um, you got to be tough there, you know, you yeah. have thick skin and you're going to hear no all the time or, you know, you're mm-hmm. not that great all the time. Um, and I had had some songs that were supposed to make it, didn't make it on someone's record. It was just kind of failure after failure after failure. And I just kind of hit a point where um, I'd broken up with this guy who was also a songwriter and It was just at the point where I just was like, I need to be done for a while. I just, I need to step away. I'm not strong enough to do it. And like the people that do make it so deserve it because they're there through all of it day after day after day and they don't give up. And that's what gives you the, makes it, helps you make it to the big success, I guess. So 
but yeah, that is an interesting thing. I mean, you had success. You were working in the, you're, you know, pitching these tunes and writing for them and all that, but still to take it to that next level takes pretty much devotion your whole life to it. It does. And they call it a 10 year town. And it really is. You have to put your dues in. Some people have quicker success, but most of them that I know, it's like they, you give up being by your friends and family to live in this town and you know, you get by with financially whatever you can and you just power through it and you have to be tough. So I, I guess there's different ways of being tough. It's also, yeah. it's also being tough to recognize that you need to not do it anymore, you know, yeah. to, to take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, that takes courage. Maybe is the, is the right, right word is to That's say probably a better not... way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So good for you for listening to what you needed to do. Thank you. So you started, once you're up here, you started getting back into writing? I did. Yeah. It was funny, um, you know, leaving the South and moving back home here. I don't know what had happened, but I guess creatively, I just felt like there weren't any barriers anymore, any boundaries. I didn't have to fit into a certain mold or anything. Uh And I just, I've been writing and writing and writing and it's just in a, I'm in a great flow these last few years where the songs just keep falling out and it's because I love it again. And, you know, when you put blocks on creativity, it stops flowing. So it's been well, nice to remove that and yes. find the love of it again. You know? Exactly. And if you have people telling you, no, you're not good enough because you don't fit into their box of good enough, whatever yeah. their definition of good enough is yeah. Yeah. over and over again, I can imagine that that your creativity just gets tamped down and tamped and tamped. And how tough is that? Yeah. And so to yeah. be liberated from that is wonderful. Yeah, it's for me, it's been great. You know, everybody's got their own path, but for me, it was the right move. So, yeah. You you recorded an album, was it in Nashville? Um, let's see. I, I have did it about, um, I want to say 11 or 12 years ago, I, I put out just a songwriting EP that I had done called Table Number Nine. Um, and it was fun. I was proud of it at the time. It was a, a great little project to do. And it's been a long time since I've recorded anything. So now here I am. 12 years later, recording and putting out another one. Uh, and, and I'm so happy you, you did this. The two songs that you sent are really wonderful, wonderful songs. Thank you. Um, before we listen to one, let's talk okay. about putting together Dragonfly, which is the name of your new album. Yes. Um, and I'm just wondering about studio time, where you recorded, how that went, um, mm-hmm. and what musicians, how you found the musicians. Kind of take me through the journey of making the, the album okay. Dragonfly. All right. Well, um, since I'd been here in Minneapolis, I wanted to use Minneapolis musicians. And I had been out to a few songwriters events and met this guy named Eli Gardner, who's also a great local singer songwriter. And he had just recorded a project and it sounded really cool. So I asked who did it for him because I love the sound of it. And it was Greg Schutte is his name. He's a drummer, um, but he's got a studio in Minneapolis called Boom Island Recording. Okay. And so it's in his basement. It's a small but really great vibe to it kind of place Uh, and he has been like the road drummer for another artist named Ryan Bingham which a lot of songwriters know him he's a um, Texas guy but who's had some success so him and some of his um, uh, other bandmates or whatever have were the ones that recorded it at the studio for me so I had like um, on the songs you're going to hear today it was Greg did the drums uh, Nick Salisbury's on bass Chris First, lead guitar and other guitars, and Sean Akers on lap steel, which you'll hear on one of the tunes. Yeah. And then 
um, the one song we ended up getting the um, Tommy Barbarella is his name. And oh, yeah. He used to, I didn't know him at all, but I mean, great guy. I mean, sounds yeah. great. He did the um, the Whirly and the B3 on it. So you'll hear that. And yes. all we had to do is love tune. My husband just finished a show that he was conducting and playing piano on. So oh, awesome. Um, you know, Tommy, he's an incredible musician. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. I never yeah. got to meet him in person because it was COVID when we started recording. Uh, stuff, so everything was kind of sent around but yeah I'm excited about about what he did it sounded great so it does it does Mm -hmm. did you have any challenges yeah particularly with COVID (laughs) yes it was just it was a process so we started the record it's almost two years ago now and then I had to have surgery and had complications so I was sick all of last year with some crazy infection um, so it wasn't until this last fall that we sort of finished working on the rest of the song and finally getting it to come together. So, but during that, like Greg's studio flooded and oh no, uh, the other guy, both of them ended up with COVID during it. So we'd have to, it was like we'd schedule and then reschedule. And I was like, wow, it's just not meant to be right now. I'm just going to be patient. And Good for you. All the craziness clears it'll happen. So yeah. And it did. And it did. did. (laughs) And you turn around, you go, boy, a lot of things happen, but it's done. It's done. You said you've been pretty prolific in writing the last couple of years. And so I'm always curious as to uh, how you choose the songs you're actually going to put on the album. Uh, What's your, do you have some criteria or is it a gut feel or how do you go about that? This one sort of was because this was just a group of songs that all had a summary feel and vibe to them. Um, Even though some of them had some stories or depth to it, it all, they all felt like summer to me. And so as we were recording them, and at first I was going to record them just for demos, again, to still pitch to my friends in Nashville, because I can't completely run away from it. Still hoping to get that big one. So, so I did that. And then as I was doing it, I was like, these sound like a little project and I was liking the vibe of it and the feel. And it just, I don't know, they kind of came together. Well, it's nice that you got it done uh, in spring because now it's ready for the summer. It's a real summery feeling. I got it. I got it. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The first song that we're going to play is All We Had to Do is Love. And so I'm wondering about the background to this story. Uh, What what was the inception of this song and the story behind it? The idea about this, it was about my first love. I wrote it with a girl named Betsy Ulmer, who's also a great songwriter. And uh, I brought it in because it was just, it was an idea I had about how easy it is to fall in love when it's the first time before anyone's mm. ever broke your heart, or how bad it can feel. You just, you fall differently. And I think that's why you never forget your first love. And why did you choose this song to play today? I like the, the story of it. Um, I think it tells a story that a lot of people can relate to because... We've all been there. We all fall in love for the first time. Some of them last, some of them, most of them don't. So, right. So we already heard who's playing on, on your song. So I think we could just go ahead and take a listen to all we had to do is love. And here it is by Raya Peck, my guest today. Always wearing that yellow dress, always 
This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. We just heard All We Had to Do is Love, an original tune written and recorded by my guest today, Raya Peck. It's on her new album called Dragonfly. All right, your voice is very unique. It's like you have a mix of um, kind of breathiness or whisper voice with also the full voice. In, in it, The combo is just so sweet. It's so sweet. Thank you. You're welcome. Have you had any training with your voice? I mean, you said you took lessons forever. It sounded like, you know, growing up on piano. Yep. When I was in college, I did take voice lessons. Um, I haven't really, other than that, I just want it for storytelling is mostly, I don't know, my focus when I'm singing. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't consider myself a 
a singer or a great singer, probably because of the friends I've had and heard them. I mean, you know, a singer when you hear a singer, I'm more of a storyteller and I'm okay with that. So, well, you have a beautiful voice, no matter if you consider yourself a singer or not, I'd say, and I talked about this with my last guest. What do you call yourself a musician? Uh, You know, do you have to be pro? Do you have to record? Do you have to, I mean, when can you call it? Well, just when you do it, you know, so you're a singer and you have a beautiful (laughs) voice too. So uh, thank you for sharing that with me. And I love the mix. It's a really great mix. You have the, the voice is so present and, and forward and it's not, it doesn't sound produced at all. It's just right there and intimate and uh, really great job on the recording and engineering side as well. Yep. And that was all Greg. He did a great job. Terrific job. You've said a little bit about your songwriting. You like to tell stories and that things have been flowing. And so I guess I want to ask you a little bit about your process. What comes first? Mm -hmm. Melody, lyrics, does it always, is it always the same? Just kind of talk to me about your process of songwriting. Okay. Okay. It's never consistent. Sometimes it's a lyric that just, you know, falls out or I write, or it's a poem that is in my head and I write. Sometimes it's a melody that starts out and then I'll look for one of my old lyrics to see if something meshes together. And then mm. there's the times where I'm just catching myself singing something and I'm like, oh, hey, I'm writing that. So then I have to stop what I'm doing and go record it. So it doesn't always come from a same space, I guess. I find it fascinating because I, I am not a songwriter. Uh, mm-hmm. One time that I did write, it was pretty forced and you could tell by listening to the song, it's a little forced. <laughs> Um, I'm always fascinated by what you just said. You have a poem that came to your head, like fully formed or almost fully formed. Mm -hmm. Can you describe that more? I mean, maybe you can't, maybe it's just there, but how does that happen? I think it is just there. Um, I don't really know how to describe it other than it's just, it's in your head. You feel it swirling around and you just, you have to get it out. And it's sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's awful. Um, I do know what you mean about the force, right? Because when you're doing co-writing, I've often, you know, been in rooms where it's just a very stale kind of song that comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also been in co-writing sessions where it just feels like magic happens and you, your creative process is just kind of meshed together so well and the creative process just flows. Uh, so it, I don't know, all of it can happen and none of it. So it's usually just a, pl- for me, it's a place of inspiration and it can be from, watching a movie or a conversation with a friend or someone posts something on Facebook and it makes me think of something. Sometimes other music um, inspires me if I hear a line in it where I'm like, oh, that'd be a beautiful song or, you know. That is a, that is a natural gift. And it's so nice that you, are, you have the ability to live in that gift, you know, and use it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to find the time when you have a little boy that you're taking care of. But yes, it <laughs> is. He's in school this year, so it's given me like up to be a little more um, timely with my creative process because I only have so many hours a day to myself, but it right. works. Right. Yeah. Um, I have these two quotes here that I want to talk mm-hmm. about, and, and we're, we're, we're hitting on it a little bit. And I have two of them mm-hmm. because they kind of fit in the same arena that I want to talk about, which is this one. First one is by Bjork. As a singer-songwriter, what I do is write about how the human feels. And then John Mellencamp says, it's my responsibility as a singer-songwriter to report the news. And I, I find both of those are kind of prescriptive of 
of what you should be doing, perhaps in quote should as a singer songwriter. And I'm wondering about, do you feel any responsibility obligation to write about certain things at all? I don't, I don't necessarily. Um, I love the songwriters that do. Um, I love ones who can talk about world issues and politics and things like that. And if I'm, I'm inspired to write something like that, I could maybe do it too. But um, so I don't feel like that's a responsibility of mine, but I do think when I'm writing, I want to tell an honest story. So someone once gave me the advice that if you're co-writing with someone and if it's not your idea and you haven't lived it, imagine what part of it you have lived and put that into the song because then it becomes believable. So when I write, I just, I try to put as much like actual life experience that I've actually lived. Mm -hmm. So maybe it comes through as a little more honest and someone else can relate to that, even if it's not the exact story that they've lived. Nice. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's your obligation. If there's an obligation is to truth or honesty. Yeah. 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 And do you, do you follow any rules as a songwriter? I mean, do you have, do you, do you like to stick to a certain form? I do um, to a point, sometimes whatever comes, comes, but usually I think it's again, my years in Nashville where it follows a somewhat of a formula. It's got a verses and choruses somewhat lined up. I have to have a bridge. I remember a publisher always saying it's lazy writing if you don't put a bridge in it. So I always feel the pressure to add one into it, but um so both, I, I kind of follow, you know, the commercial type of music guideline when I'm writing something, but there have been the times where it's just, it doesn't really necessarily follow, follow like a typical form formula. And I think that's okay too. So absolutely. So for people out there that don't know what a bridge is, how do you, how do you define a bridge in a song? Um, the way I would describe it and the way it was always described to me is it's the point in the song where it introduces either some a new idea or material to help bring together the rest of the song or like a new okay. twist that would make the um, last chorus have a different kind of feel to it. It can kind of be a breakdown area musically. So it gives a break between the rest of the song to keep your ears listening and introduce something new. Well put. So how do you define a singer-songwriter? I think anybody that writes and sings, you know, whether you're successful or not, you do it in a coffee shop, you do it on a giant stage. If if you write and sing, that's what you are. Kind of back to what you said earlier. If you do it, that's what you are. It is time to introduce our second song that you sent to me called Endless Summer. And I just love the vibe of this one. It really is summery feeling. Thank you. Um, it is really a, a very sweet sweet love song and I would like to know the story behind this one well this song I wrote about my husband Adam and when we were dating long distance he was living in Tampa and we had had just a great night watching the sunset on the beach from there and as I was sitting there with him I was just thinking about how this guy was it for me and and it was an idea that um, I'd heard someone say endless summer and I was like well that's what he felt like to me. Like that moment, it still feels like that now, you know, six years later, he's my, he feels like my favorite season. And so I wanted to have that real beachy vibe to it. And I think Greg did a great job with it. I think he did too. I Mm -hmm. think you did as well. And how sweet that you still feel the same way that you felt uh, uh, when you first met or when you first fell in love. Yeah. Yep. Not We're everybody gets to keep each other. That, yes, exactly. I hear that. Absolutely. Um, and so 
I, maybe it's obvious, but why choose this song to play today? Um, I think again, because I just, at first it's got a little bit of a story too, but it's got more of the vibe of kind of the summery feel that I wanted the whole record to kind of have. And it's almost summer and great time for people to fall in love anyways. And that's kind of the, the reason I picked it today. Awesome. So Sean Akers plays the steel guitar. And so that kind of gives it, when you hear this, when you introduce the steel guitar to me, it gives a little bit of a country vibe, but it's not a country song at all to me. It's, it, it, you know, but yet it has that kind of vibe. So you get maybe the groove from that. I'm not sure, but it's a really cool mix of, of genres. That's what I had said when we were doing it, I wanted it to sound beachy, but being the whole record, it's not like I'm a Jack Johnson or something. It, it's got a country feel to it too, but he did such a great job of making it feel country and beachy at the same time. And I feel like that kind of brought the whole song together. And the guy that did, oh, I forgot the background vocalist is a guy from Nashville, Michael Davey. And his background vocals just added an, another like almost layer of an instrument behind it that was just so cool. So, And that really- was also mixed really well. The mm-hmm. harmony stuff was just spot on, I thought. So let's take a listen to Endless Summer, a song written by my guest, Raya Peck.
This is Musician Talk, and I am your host, Pauline Jennings. My guest today is Raya Peck. You just heard Endless Summer, a cut from her new album of original songs called Dragonfly. Again, your voice is just so present right there, and it's just spot on. I mean, your, your intonation is beautiful. I know you said you don't consider yourself a singer, but your choices are the choices that singers would make. I mean, yeah. where you choose to have more of the whisper voice and where you choose to bring, bring the full voice in is so tasty. It really, really is well done. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. You are welcome. You're welcome. And thank you for writing this song. It's wonderful. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about where people can get your new album and uh, stream some of your songs. But right now, I would like to talk to you about best gig, worst gig. All right. Yeah, I've, I've had I've had some bad ones and some good ones. Um, and one of the I say worst gig, but it really didn't go badly. It was just an uncomfortable a little bit experience. I um. I was playing a festival called Thirsty Melon, and it was like a rock festival in Kentucky. And my friend was the one that booked it. So he's like, oh, we're going to have this acoustic stage. You'll be great. We'll put you on that. It's a small one outside. No big deal. Well, somehow when I got there, there was a mix up and I was playing on the huge stage where all the big and it's like rock, rock bands. And then there's little me with my keyboard and guitar singing little country tunes. And I'm like, Oh no. So I just did what everybody always says, fake it. If you fake it, people will believe you. Pretend (laughs) you're amazing. Someone's going to believe it. So I was like, all right. But it actually turned out okay. Uh, Like some of the sound guys said it was a a nice break to hear some melodic music from all the rock they'd heard all day. Sure. It ended up okay. But in the moment I was just, you know, you get that gut dropper, like I'm going to look like a fool, but I got to do it because here I am. Right. Oh, I bet before you step on that stage, you must have just been like, <laughs> I was so nervous because I was like, this is just, I don't fit here, but all right. And in the end, it seemed like brilliant programming to, to give the audience a time Even to breathe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you turned it around and that, and because you did a great job, that's why it worked. Otherwise it probably wouldn't have worked. So that's wonderful. So. <laughs> so you're a classically trained pianist, but you also mm-hmm. play guitar. Yes, I do play guitar. Um, Mostly self-taught. I picked it up when I was in college. Uh, That's when I got my first guitar. My grandmother had sold her home and gave all of the grandkids $500 and a note that says, I know you'll use this responsibly. (laughs) I went right out and cashed it and bought my first guitar instead of for school or rent or anything. And um, yeah, I took, I kind of took lessons from a friend one summer, which helped kind of get the basics down. And I've mostly only used it for songwriting. So Mm -hmm. anytime I've played out in the past, I've always had a guitar player because again, in Nashville, they're everywhere. And all my friends are fantastic and have been on the road with people. And I used to do hair, so I would pay them with haircuts and they'd come and play for me. Well, here in Minneapolis, I've had to play for myself the last three years. So it's forced me to practice a lot and get a little bit better. Oh, I bet. I bet. And that takes courage too. If it's not your first instrument and you feel like there's all these people that are better than you to get up there and just do it. And I bet you have learned a lot and gotten a ton better by just I'm getting there slowly but I'm getting there oh good for you what's one of your best gigs best um you know there's been I I would probably have to say almost all of them because Uh I've had such great experiences getting to um you know play writers around with some other great writers or being part of recording sessions with some amazing people um 
I got to do some background vocals on this little kid's record, which was really fun. And, you know, um, I can't really pick just one. There isn't like one moment that shines. Sure. It's kind of all of them. They've all been kind of special and neat. And you meet somebody new at, at every time you play at something. And I've, I've liked that about music. You've talked about the songwriters circles or however you forums yeah. that you would go to. Could you talk about that a little bit? I, I bet most people don't know anything yeah. about those. Um, here they do it a little bit different. There's, I'm just starting to meet some people like this round I'll be part of on June 2nd. I'm excited to do that. So um, most of my music experience as an adult was in Nashville and usually you book a writer's round. So you'll play with anywhere from, you know, three to five other writers for an hour and you take turns each singing a song. So I think it's a great way for the audience to get to hear multiple singers and songs in, in one sitting. And nobody gets bored listening to anyone because right. every song is a new feel, a new vibe. And sometimes, you know, if you pick up what key they're playing in, you can all kind of play with each other, or do harmonies with it sometimes. And nice. And it kind of takes on its own little life and story. And it's, it's a great great experience so you don't it's not a, a lineup of singer songwriters that you get up on the stage each take your turn and play for each 20 minutes and then next person not, not always they do have those where you play like a 15 minute slot and you'll do like three songs or something like mm -hmm. that of course too but most of the ones that I were were rounds that I was part of and I I loved it I guess because then you're not up there by yourself mm -hmm. you're up with your friends or sometimes co-writers and it's just it's a lot of fun where can people find your music, your uh, table number nine, your first CD, and this new CD called Dragonfly? We call I still call it CDs. I don't even know if you sell actual CDs, but your album. Yep. You can get it on um, Spotify, the old one. It's under my old name, too, my maiden name, or, which was Raya Ely. And okay. table number nine is under that name. And it's um, Spotify and um, iTunes. You can find it on there. Um, Dragonfly isn't out yet, but it will be on all the major... Um, streaming and download sites. Uh, I will have some CDs. So when I'm doing my little coffee shop shows, um, you can always pick one up there too. Uh, I play once a month at a coffee shop in North Minneapolis, which has been really fun, um, called Mojo Coffee Gallery. And that right. I sit down and do an hour of my songs and stories. And it's been been really a great little venue. Do you have um, a website or a Facebook site where people can uh, look for where you're going to be playing and when? Yes, you can check out my Instagram or my Facebook just by searching for at Raya Peck. It shows it pops up on both of them. Okay. I do have a website that's in the works right now getting kind of put together. So it'll be ready for the record when it's done. And um, I do have some of my old songs on SoundCloud, which is also under Raya Peck. So let's talk a little bit more about this gig coming up on June 2nd at the 7th okay. at 7 p.m. Um, it's called Songwriters in the Round. It's, I believe, the second iteration of this, and they want to continue this and maybe do it once a month, which I think is just glorious. So people get down to the Grand on June 2nd to hear all these wonderful, wonderful, the lineup of wonderful songwriters, including my guest today. Raya, thank you so much for joining me on Musician Talk today so that uh, we could get a chance to get to know you before you play down here in Northfield. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been great. It, it has been. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Many thanks to Raya for the wonderful conversation today. What a joy to hear about our musical journey and get some background to a couple of her tunes. Thanks also and always to Wendy Norquist and you for listening to Musician Talk on the One, KYMN. You have a terrific day.